Will Morgan Spurlock let Matt Cardall star in his next film? Answer me this, answer me this. Is a mother I'd like to marry called a mill? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Summertime and the living is easy. Unless you're Pat from Canada. Or me listening to that. I hate that song. I hate that song. Who says, I recently returned from a two-week vacation with my husband and our two children. While I will admit that my holiday wasn't all bad, uh, I (laughs) (laughs) I do not wish to go on vacation with my children ever again. I think maybe my parents preempted this by never going on holiday with us. Yeah. We just didn't go from the time I was eight. And they couldn't grow to hate you. Oh. Started from that point. Thanks. Um, they are aged 17 and 20. Mm-hmm. Realistically, Pat, they're not going to go on holiday with you again otherwise. No, they're, they're virtually out of your hands now. That's, that's it. They're not going to want to come on holiday with you. And you're not obliged to take them because they're perfectly <laughs> self-sufficient. Leave them at home. <laughs> and although, continues Pat, I am used to their bickering at home, I am not used to my husband trying to deal with it, as <laughs> I have always been the one to help them settle their arguments. My husband thinks he can just tell them to stop and that will be the end of it. How naive. I spent two weeks playing referee between the three of them uh, and found it very hard to really enjoy the trip. When we split into twos, it was better, but that was only for short bits of time. So, Helen, answer me this. How do I tell my family that I do not wish to travel with them ever again? You don't really have to tell them. You just don't do it. If you're Mm. not purchasing the holiday for your children, then they're unlikely to go on it with you. Huzzah! Yes, I think... Uh, whatever you're considering, whether it's a, a, a charming romantic break with your hubby, or whether it's a, a girls' event where you take a couple of your female friends, mm. or whether it's even just some solo travelling, mm. I would say go ahead and do it once before saying anything to your children. Very good idea, Ollie. Very tactful. Because you might try it and actually not like it as well. You might well. miss the bickering. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. That's what would happen if this was a Disney film. You'd go away, you'd spend loads of money, go on a solo trip, and then you'd realise that you missed them. Hi, this is Liz from Soon to be Oxfordshire. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. We've been looking around at houses recently and it's just suddenly come to us. If you have a conservatory, is it obligatory to buy wicker furniture? I don't think it's obligatory, but it's strongly encouraged. I think what we're seeing here is a demographic overlap between people who like wicker furniture and people who build conservatories in their houses. Interesting. You look at the advert for a conservatory, it's never Ray Winston, is it? It's never it. I'll tell you what you need. You need a fucking conservatory. Um, Yeah, it's the June Whitfield type who advertises the conservatory. That's because it is the June Whitfield type who buys them. And those people probably like wicker furniture. I mean, that is the only explanation for it. And also, I think people are inspired by things they've seen in other people's houses, and it becomes a bit of a domino effect. We've all seen wicker furniture in a conservatory. If you're the kind of person who's lusted after a conservatory, perhaps you'll want exactly the one your friend has with the wicker furniture. I wonder whether there's any practical advantage to wicker furniture, because temperatures in conservatories fluctuate rapidly. Rapidly, yeah. maybe wicker, a bit more flexible, yeah. more able to take those extremes. And actually, the wicker furniture you could take out into the garden if yes. it's a bit warm. You yeah. can open. I it was going to say that. I think there's more crossover with the garden furniture designs, yeah. and actually, people like mm. that. They like the conservatory to be the room that's a bit like the garden, a bit like the house, somewhere in between. You don't want sort of tacky plastic chairs on the other hand. Yeah, you, exactly. you know, you don't want to have a like a full uh, chaise longue. No, yeah. but it's wicker though, and wicker is it's ugly and it's noisy. We had these wicker basket chairs at my grandparents' house when I was little, and they kind of scream when you sit on them. That's not relaxing. Conservatories are for 
more relaxation. Well, that's that's a badly designed chair that you're describing. Well, it's that's wicker, not the wicker's isn't it? fault. Wicker's not capable of much. I know, I've never had a chair scream when I sat. No, no, no. Well, my parents have got wicker furniture as well I've sat on plenty of wicker well maybe my granny specifically <laughs> bought the one that you didn't feel very comfortable on I think also uh, most conservatories at least in this country are still quite a cottagey style aren't they and so having very modernist Zaha Hadid furniture would seem a bit inappropriate if you've got those kind of piney frames on your conservatory windows and all that which actually probably is going to be uh, a next big thing in interior design like why should it be that if you want a conservatory which is a practical idea in this country you know natural mm-hmm. light coming in th- and yet uh, perhaps there's heating in there so you're not freezing cold all year uh, makes a sensible case doesn't well, it why not invigorate the design of yeah. that well I think people have but then they wouldn't call it conservatory they oh, no, build they... a glass extension to oh, the house they don't they something wanky wouldn't they like it's my indoor outdoor space yeah you're absolutely right so if you're going to call it conservatory and it's probably no accident that it sounds like conservative you're yeah. going to go for a conservative yes. look so I think other people would have modern this furniture you wouldn't necessarily identify their glass box as a conservatory mm-hmm. would you here's another question of Holmes from Jennifer from New Hampshire she says I just watched a documentary on the infamous Lindbergh baby kidnapping of the 1930s in New Jersey USA not infamous in my house mate Ollie answer me this would you purchase a home at which some tragic event had occurred uh, is I, your I, new house a murder house uh, <laughs> Okay, well, before I define that, I need some context here because I don't know this reference. The Lindbergh baby, there was, it was a rich family. The baby was kidnapped and held for ransom, and it's widely believed that the baby died while it was being held for ran- ransom. It's quite a, a big sc- national scandal. It's sort of like the beginning of Murder on the Orient Express, but real. Okay, I wouldn't buy that house, but not because I'm superstitious and I think that the same thing would happen to my baby or anything, mm. or even because I would think, oh, I'm doing some ghoulish... Uh, sort of death tourism thing because mm. I know that I wouldn't be I'd be buying it because I like that house mm-hmm. uh, and let's be honest it's probably a bit cheaper because that thing happened there so that that wouldn't put me off but what would put me off is that other ghoulish death tourists would come oh, outside yeah. and then I'd forever be living in that house every cab drive you'd have the, the driver would say oh you live in the limbo baby ass I, don't, that, <laughs> I wouldn't want to have that conversation all the time so for that reason I wouldn't that's a very practical way of looking at this Ollie thank you yeah I mean I'm not superstitious but when you're drawing up your pros and cons list baby mm. death in the house would definitely be in the con category wouldn't it very, very rare you're going to say that's a pro however in London there are a lot of old buildings who knows what's happened to them through the centuries in London I dare say almost every house has had a baby die in it at some point or someone die horribly someone but, but even you could go as far to say infant mortality because it used to be oh, obviously yeah, something that right. happened a lot more than it does now even 100 years ago I suppose most deaths aren't notorious exactly this one's mm. sensationalist but actually the fact that a child died in the house it's horrible but actually it's quite likely isn't it also the Lindbergh baby now would be very likely dead anyway so I think the statute of limitations is passed with the tragic crime houses Hmm. I'd feel alright with staying in a house that Jack the Ripper had ripped someone in I know what you mean actually because of course one of the things that makes it appealing to stay in a country house is that it's got those kinds of oh the ghost of Henry II's brother haunts these corridors oh you know so and so (laughs) got hung outside and it's like then it's then it's mystique that you are actually selling and when does that happen when when does that kick in like after 300 years i don't know mm. but there definitely is a point you're right where you can actually sell that uh deliberately but i can't imagine you ever doing that with like fred west house for example well no they tore it down yeah but exactly yeah. but even in 300 years i don't think people would want to stay mm. there as a fun no weekend away so i think it's the way in which the people died in the building i think with fred west the uh, associations with the sexual abuse of children 
Mm. Probably takes out the kind of ooh haunty ghost thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. You could set forth a program of significant urban re- renewal just by campaigning murders. That would be one of the more unsatisfying resolutions to the Jonathan Creek episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you've got a question, email your question to answer me at this podcast. true for you ollie because hannah has written to say i have two questions of cats okay this is Yay! exciting on the other hand mm. the fact that helen has let not one but two questions of cats through I'm, the gate i'm weak i just want to see him happy again listeners does rather suggest that this will be the cat quotient for this series so this year i'm gonna luxuriate in this hannah says ollie answer me this why do cats rub their cheeks on things i think it's a bit creepy but are they marking their place? Yeah, essentially, oh, yes. Oh, okay. They've got scent glands, haven't they, in the cheeks? Correct. Scent oh. glands in the cheeks. They're basically saying, this piece of furniture, it's worth me staking a claim on it, this. It's mine. I want to know that it's mine. I want to know when I come back that I can't smell another cat on it. Because my, my opening gambit with cats is usually giving me a little rub on the side of their neck and they love it. Yes. Is that is that actually me stimulating their scent glands? No, actually, the neck is a different thing again because well, the you neck know, behind is... the ear, I can't really distinguish a cat's parts. They're just like a furry tube and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they are distinct. Um, the neck they particularly enjoy, apparently, and only give you access if they trust you, because that's a part of the body that they can't really reach under ah, their chin. Idiot. So it's like an extra special sensation for them. Mm. Um, the scent glands are behind the cheeks. The ears is a totally different thing. I don't know what's going on with the ears there. But um, yeah, the, 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 they all have a different combination of pheromones. So it's a unique uh. combination. Well, not unique. There's probably another cat like it, but right. unlikely there's another cat in the vicinity like it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they are absolutely marking claim on territory. And it, okay. it was really interesting, actually, to me, not mm. to you, I'm saying in advance, probably wouldn't be to you. Mm-hmm. Really interesting to me <laughs> when we introduced Coco to the new furniture in the house. Oh, Coco? meet sofa (laughs) you can have a great relationship together Uh, because Coco had been a cattery for four to five weeks she came into the house we'd bought some new furniture and there was some furniture that she recognised from the old property hey old friend orange chair well no what was interesting was she didn't go to the stuff she knew she went to the stuff she didn't she needed to conquer it yeah and you could watch her going into the room for the first time I actually videoed it believe it or not for my pleasure I won't show it to you Mm. Um, and it was really interesting to me how she just went for the stuff that was brand new and she marked it she could obviously smell before even going up to it that she knew certain bits of furniture right and that was without having seen it for you know five or six weeks well it seems more civilised to have that gland in your neck than dogs having it in their piss yes i think that's right yeah and of course it means it still works even when you've been neutered uh mm. because when cats get neutered they lose their desire to mark things with piss yay <laughs> yeah. dogs never lose that desire never lose it, no. here is hannah's second question of cats she says ollie answer me this why when you stroke cats do they put their bums in the air my mum always told me not to stroke the bottom of their tails because that's where fleas lay their eggs i'm not sure that's right why would they put their bums in the air? That strikes me as two separate issues. Yes, I, the flea thing I don't know about. Is it like a sexual signal? Yes. Um, uh, cat owners don't like to discuss this. Because it's your horrible secret. Uh, well, it's because you are essentially tickling the cat's G-spot. Okay. Uh, I mean, Ugh. think about it. 
catty style is not that different to doggy style um mm. that area just above the asshole is where the male cat would be resting its paws um mm. so that is how they prepare themselves for sexual activity so they're they're raising it up so that it's at the right height for gripping yes but obviously that's an instinctive reaction i'm sure the cat isn't actually thinking that at the time and interestingly male cats do it as well as female cats it's just that that is a sensitive area linked to their sexual uh, technique so mm. when you do it that's what they're feeling it's it's a more sensitive area it is like well, when you uh, stroke them out on the tail, just a, it's on the bone above the ass, basically. So the back, yeah. just oh, right. but yeah, between the back and the tail. On on the cat's corner. Yeah, yeah. I do feel sick talking about cat sex, <laughs> and yet you probably feel better than you've ever felt. Uh, yeah, I love it. I could happily do. That. I could do all these cat questions all day long. If you want to give your cat particularly powerful orgasms, Ollie, where do you touch them? <laughs> That's not such a case of touching as penetrating. No, I no. I, no, not all orgasms are penetrative, Doctor Freud. Um. <laughs> this region is famous for its wine, a drink which comes in red, white, and somewhere in between. It may take some getting used to, but the more wine you drink, the more delicious it becomes. It is customary when at a wine tasting to spit the mouthful of each wine into a bucket. Did I feel silly the next day? Cheers. Answer me this holiday. All the fun of travelling with none of the stinky toilets or frightening food. Out now at answermethispodcast.com slash albums. It's that time of the show where we take a question off the phone line, the number for which is... 02081235877 Or you can Skype Answer Me This if you use Skype. And let's see who has done that today. Hello, it's Pip. Hello, Ollie. Answer me this. Why do piano players have page turners? Other instruments don't, so I don't understand why the piano is so special. I'd never thought about this before. I never thought how greedily pianists were hogging all of the page turners. I'm not sure I was even aware that page turning was an absolutely universal thing across pianists. I'm sure I've seen piano players where they don't have page turners. But then they probably have to time very carefully a little uh, break in the action. The reason that a lot of classical pianists, so obviously pop pianists, turn their own pages if there are pages to be turned. Yeah, probably they, it's all in their heads anyway. They can just jazz it, can't they? Yeah, and and indeed jazz pianists they can jazz it too they wouldn't be in a job otherwise i mean page turners are for squares <laughs> but those square classicists mm-hmm. um the reason they have page turners is because in the hear a pin drop atmosphere of mm-hmm. a charged uh concert hall you don't want the you don't want the thwack mm-hmm. apparently is that apparently if you work your hands into a rage yeah. playing a fast tune I, I know i shouldn't call it a tune let's call tune! it a mo- <laughs> let's call it a Ditty. movement a movement okay um then what what your hands will inevitably do when you flick the pages quickly go yeah and what it if you knock it all the off the, the stand well that could happen to you all sorts of does what if you haven't licked your finger because you probably haven't got the time yep. and you turn over too many pages yeah that can happen too uh so for all those reasons it's it's ruining the beautiful music for the real true classic aficionados and they like to hear a soundless page turn but how did the violinists get away with it i bet there are examples where violinists have page turners but yeah. generally speaking you can't have 80 page turners in an orchestra <laughs> Well, indeed. Well, I reckon the flutist probably turns the violinist's page when necessary. This is the thing, isn't it? What are the mm. chances they'll be both playing at the same time? Actually, bassoonists don't get to do very much, so they're probably exactly. running around doing everyone else's. Aren't they pretty self-sufficient in orchestra? I don't know that yeah. collegiate. They're, they're all very competitive. Well, that's true. I don't think they do turn each other's pages. I think it's quite impractical to do so, but maybe maybe the piano is the only instrument where neither of your hands are free. Well, I think that's right. I was reflecting the last time I saw a classical recital how in tune no pun intended, the page turner and the pianist have to be. Well, they have to be. You don't want a a page turner that turns it a little too early or too late, even worse. Or makes the real schoolboy error of turning it from the bottom. 
always turn from the top. Oh yeah, because course. you're going to reach across the music oh. as the pianist is reading it. What kind of idiot hole would do that? <laughs> the optimum is for the audience not really to notice that the page turner is there. No, nope. is... my eyes are fixed on the page turner and nothing else. I'm usually uh, sitting there shouting, turn the page, turn the page. <laughs> page turners are kind of like the uh, ball boys and ball girls of uh, yeah. music. Yeah, they are exactly like that. And, and uh, equally, like the ball boys and ball girls, uh, they can get bruised. If you sit too oh. close to the pianist and oh. it's a very lively Beethoven, you get elbow in the ribs. Naturally. Well, yeah. you can't you can't be too close because no. the pianist would be inhibited. Yes, and yet close enough that you can lean over and turn the page. I mean, it's a very delicate art. Okay, pop quiz. Yeah. Oh, it's a classical quiz, I suppose. Okay. Um, uh, page turner changes the page, accidentally turns two together. Yes, it happens. Has to turn it back. Yeah. How long would yeah. it be before the pianist fucked up? But, but the point is, a pianist who's really in tune with his page turner will have concocted a signal between the two of them in advance to mean something's gone wrong here. Like this, uh, uh, flipping <laughs> oh, yeah, the, yeah, the page turner immediately recognises they've gone wrong, but yeah. like, the so pages the, are stuck together, takes them a yeah, second to do it. The pianist would improvise, a really good pianist would improvise, even though... Just it. <laughs> yeah, no, because even though the audience would know, the, the really you know well-versed ones in classical music would know something's gone wrong, it's the same as when a classical actor forgets their lines in Shakespeare at the yeah. RSC. They, they may have forgotten the end of the verse, but they have to say something that sounds Shakespearean. Yeah, yeah. Like, they have to say something. Now is the winter of our uh, yeah. miserable time. So what they do is they go back to the beginning of the, the speech, don't they, until someone helps them out. They just say the same thing again. Once more onto the breach, dear friends. <laughs> Once more onto the breach, dear friends. <laughs> Helen, how many minutes should I bake a cake for before it gets all burned and dry? Ollie! How many onions can I slice Before my eyes start to cry And Martin How many sausages would you like For your evening meal If you answer me these I'll be very pleased That describes how I question from Carl from Newcastle who says being quite an avid Nintendo fan I've played many games with Yoshi do the dinosaur yes but one question has always bugged me debug me now Ollie answer me this is Yoshi male or female Yoshi can lay eggs yet Yoshi is a male Japanese name I think you're twisting yourself into knots here trying to work out reasons for why Yoshi is or isn't male. Is Yoshi's gender really an important part of the uh, story of the game? No, it's certainly not. And you're right that he lays eggs. Is Yoshi a platypus? Yoshi is a man. I mean, he's not a man, he's a dinosaur. Yoshi is a male dinosaur. Right. Um, And I know that because if you go to the primary source, if you go on the Nintendo website, it will say things like, uh, he first appeared in so-and-so. So, So, yeah, Yoshi is a male character. However, there are giveaway clues to this, even though he lays eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, One is that he's always been voiced by men in the cartoons and in the video games. Now, I know that there's a tradition of uh, women playing boys like in the simpsons and in panto yes indeed but very rarely uh, i can't think of a single example am i aware of a cartoon or a video game where a male character is voiced by a woman an an adult adult male is voiced by unless the character is deliberately a drag artist or someone with a hormonal imbalance Mm. and they're making play of that Mm -hmm. so So, he's transgender then no no he's not he's not he's just a male dinosaur but he lays eggs but he's fantastical that's not physically possible he lives in mario land he's he's, they're trying to educate children that biological gender and and uh people's preferences are different he's the he's the nintendo version 
version of Virginia Woolf's Orlando. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> also, it seems that the egg laying is hardly the only liberty taken with the truth in the Mario <laughs> What do you think games. his egg comes out of his penis? What's the man with the, you? The egg laying is to aid the plot. It's to give him a thing. That's his thing. It's his special power. It's what he does. Why doesn't he do a male thing like urinating everywhere? <laughs> um, Martin. I, actually, some of the fantastical stuff is quite realistic, though. Like, Mario does drive twice as fast when he's high on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, some of it's real. But saying that Yoshi is a male name, and therefore Yoshi is a male, is getting you down, way down into shit creep. Oh, because madness. Because if you actually Google Yoshi... Uh, it comes up with a female uh, Japanese volleyball player, oh, Yoshi Takeshita. Yeah. I'm not making that up. Whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> yeah. um, so, there you go. Most famous Yoshi in the world, female, according to Google. Hmm. Uh, I had a male friend at school called Yoshi, so I can confirm there are male Japanese okay. boys called Yoshi, but obviously it's a unisex name. I knew a girl at school called Steve. Not short for anything, just Steve. That's bold by her parents. Uh, that is just creating something she's got to explain every bloody day of her life. That's annoying, isn't it? Uh, well, uh, on this subject of uh, retro children's characters, uh, and yes, I know that adults play video games, but they are all losers. Here's a question from Diane. <laughs> You're an idiot. Or they're like Martin. Who says, Helen, answer me this. Where did troll dolls go? In a massive furnace, hopefully. What horrid little things they were. Uh, I just thought it was incredible that they were ever popular in the first place, and bearing in mind they look like gay rabbis in spandex. <laughs> and not only popular in the first place, but in the second place and the third place, they had several peaks of popularity. They've never been away, really, have well, they? Well, no, you're wrong, Ollie. You're wrong. She's saying, where did they go? Well, we have to go back in time to find out why trolls are no longer the uh, popular horrid little things that they used to be as they were invented in 1959 by a Danish woodcutter called Thomas Dam it would be Scandinavian wouldn't it oh well trolls are big in Scandinavia trolls are huge in Scandinavia or or tiny like pencil top trolls sure yeah of course Mm -hmm. and he carved it himself as a present for his child and uh, the, quite the, hard to carve that oh. face out of wood yeah well maybe the original face was uh, slightly less a bit less complex trolley yeah and uh, the hair was made out of uh, sheep's wool and uh, they were a big hit yes and so more trolls and more trolls but there was an error in his copyright document which meant that anybody went and made knockoff trolls oh. and flooded the market oh. what a silly man I know however in 2003 the dam company managed to uh, re-seize control of the troll brand okay so in the 2000s they've got the brand back so they've got the brand back so that meant that they became the only manufacturer again which means you didn't have millions and millions of trolls out on the market so that's mm. why trolls have been a little bit on the down low for the last 10 years oh so actually now they've got the brand they don't necessarily know what to do with it to get trolls back well, here's a sad uh, twist in the tale, though, Ollie, because very recently, DreamWorks have acquired the intellectual property rights to Trolls, and you know what that means. Awful films that parents are going to have to endure at the cinema <laughs> to replicate the troll faces on a big screen. Can you imagine? But actually, maybe it's that people, in, a, in an actual intrinsic need to rebel against the mainstream, need occasionally to invent these characters that mm. are in some way repulsive. Like Cabbage Patch Kids are truly horrible. The clever thing to do now if you're making toys, because we are in a cutesy period now, yeah. aren't we? Mm. It comes and goes like this with boy bands and girl bands yeah. as well. You get street smart ones, don't you? And, and then, then someone comes along and has to invent One Direction, because yeah. they haven't been around for a while, that kind of cutesy thing. Yeah. So now's the time, probably, to do slightly aggressive... So something a bit scatter. Something to make the Daily Mail upset, yeah. Mm. What, like um, a Furby that swears... <laughs> <laughs> a, a swerby a, a tamagotchi that is just going you're not my real mum so how many trolls did you have one just the one yeah I wasn't that into them to be honest uh, I think I cut its hair off and then once you've got a troll with no hair all you've got is a plastic nub <laughs> <laughs> so that was the end of that really I was yeah. never that into dolls actually no and so I was not the kind of person that had a whole row of the little things 
No. In fact, some adults still collect them now, and I, I cannot even imagine the psychological damage they must suffer to want to do that. Well, that's what I was thinking when you said trolls have been away. I was thinking, well, no, they haven't, because people are collecting them. It's a different side of the market, They've been obviously. stockpiling. That's why the market's been a bit weak. I had a troll too, but the reason I had a troll was uh, my friends had ones with, like, pink hair, blue hair, yellow yeah. hair. Uh, I had uh, a troll that had hair that was rainbow-coloured, like a feather duster. Drugs troll. So, it, so it, had, it had pink and yellow and blue and green in its hair. And I was mm. like, well, troll makers, you just shot yourself in the foot. I don't need to buy another one. I Good don't need point. to swap see. This is the ultimate troll, isn't it? That's like the four-colour barrow in one. Exactly, exactly like that. <laughs> Who, Once you had one of those, you'd be a fool to go to Smith's and buy a normal barrow, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd literally be an idiot. Please send us an email. We love to keep in touch. If you send us an email, we'll like you very much. It's podcast at googlemail.com That's podcast at googlemail.com So please send us an email, or we won't know you're there. And if we like your email, we'll read it out on air. Here is a question from Lorna, who says, Ollie, answer me this. When you buy a website domain, who are you buying it from? Well, I'm buying it from GoDaddy, mm. uh, but that's because they've got my credit card details on file, so it's easy. Who are they, though? <laughs> and, why, and why do they come to own things that don't really exist? Well, that's a quite a philosophical question. I know. Um, but the that's answer, why I don't understand but it. The, well, actually, you, you never truly own, and I'm not being philosophical here, this is just a fact, yeah. you never truly own a web domain. Uh, you are actually mm. just owning the exclusive right to direct it somewhere. We don't live in this world, we just rent it. Exactly. Uh, and the internet is kind of like that, because of course it expires, doesn't it, after a set, set period of years, however many you've paid mm. for it, and then someone else can buy it. You don't own it, you're just buying the right to use it. Okay, but that's the equivalent of renting. Mm. Uh, but still, why is it that somebody is in the position of renting it to you? How did they come to own it? Well, okay, so the the various different domain name registrars... They are, in turn, uh, just one of the registered services who are authorised by ICANN, uh-huh. uh, which is the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. Oh, how do they bloody sneak in and grab all of this authority and money-making scheme for themselves? Because the US government told them to by <sighs> creating it. Because before that, and this is the really cool fact, mm. but also quite weird, mm. before that, before ICANN existed, the US government owned domain names. Ah! All of them? All of them. Ah! So, <laughs> Why them, though? Why not, like, the Paraguayan government? Because the structure of the internet was created in the States. Hmm. And so it came under the jurisdiction of the US. And the US government had a department that dealt with it until at some point, I guess, someone said, you know what, this web thing might take off. Could be a bit awkward. They probably didn't foresee WikiLeaks. But they probably <laughs> thought, yeah, it's going to be a bit awkward if the US government authorises everything online, in, even in a hands-off way. Potential conflict of interest as well. Let's create a Quango. So hmm. they did. Yeah. Oh. So that's what ICANN is. Even though... I can, I think, sounds like a potty training device. A bit like yeah. can do. I can do it too with, with domains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I think is also incredible is that in the 1980s when they were setting up the World Wide Web, mm. they had the foresight to create not only the country-based suffices, so .co.uk mm. and .au and And yet whatever. not .uk, which would have been better than .co.uk. Yeah, would have been, yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, but nonetheless, they, they had the, the foresight to reckon that people would probably want a geographical tie. Mm. Uh, but they also had the foresight to set up the seven generic top-level domains. Can you name... The seven generic top-level domains. Now, .com is one. Okay, org, a deer. <laughs> yeah, Gov. org is one. Yeah, that Gov. one? Yeah, yeah. Gov, a drop of golden sun. <laughs> Edu. Yes, very good. Yeah. .net. Yes, .net, very dot, good. Yeah. .biz. No, .biz wasn't one of the original ones. Uh, .tv. No. Not .world or something. Yeah, it is. It's .int. 
Int. Who on earth would ever use that? Uh, as in dot internet. <laughs> I guess as in dot international of no particular. Uh, well, I've got a wonderful website b dot int. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the other one, I didn't, you know, I didn't know, but it's a US military one. Dot mil. Well, I thought .org was meant to suggest some kind of higher purpose. But yeah, like charity, and now it's anything. It's just it? all, any old bullshit, isn't it? Well, it's the, this is the problem with things being governed in America. Like, in a way, it's great because free speech and you're allowed to do more things on the internet. The flip side of that is any old tool can go and register .org and there's no there's no quality control because it's freedom of speech. You can, you can say... Yeah, Dicksmack.org. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, on that bombshell, we have reached the end of this episode of Answer Me This. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with a question for next week's show, as surely you will want to after mm. that illuminating discussion, all of the details are on our website... AnswerMeThisPodcast.com On which you can also find Answer Me This episodes 1 to 120 and our albums. All of these things are available for a tiny fee. Yes, and for free you can get a Love Film trial by clicking the button that says Love Love Film. Film. That's right. All free films to your iPad or your computer for a whole month. You don't have to pay for them but they give us money. I like the film you get on, on Hot Milk if you leave it as well. Can I get that on Love Film? No, Martin. That is the wrong kind of film. And I think you knew that deep down. But once you've exhausted all of that entertainment, then please return to us next week. Bye! Bye.